Hello and welcome to Accent of Women, a show by and about women from diverse cultures and languages right across the world. I'm Giselle Hanna. Today on Accent of Women, we look at President Duterte's declaration of martial law on the island of Mindanao in the Philippines. On the 24th of May 2017, Philippine President Rodrigo Duterte declared martial law in Mindanao through Presidential Proclamation 216. This came after a botched military operation against an individual by the name of Ismilon Hapilon, the leader of the Muate Abu Sayyaf terrorist group, allegedly connected to ISIS. Under martial law, the Philippine military has intensified indiscriminate aerial bombing, even as civilians are still trapped within the city. As Philippine authorities claim, 20 to 38 civilians have been killed, thousands have been evacuated and taken refuge in several parts of Mindanao, while hundreds more have been arrested. Even before Proclamation 216, State impunity perpetrated by the armed forces of the Philippines had already claimed the lives of 34 people, mostly farmers and lumads who are the indigenous peoples of Mindanao. They've been victims of politically motivated extrajudicial killings, while 20 incidents of indiscriminate aerial bombings and operations have occurred on the island since February this year. To discuss the situation in the Philippines, I speak with Stephanie Rabusa. She's the chairperson of Anak Bayan in Melbourne. Later in the show, we speak with Joms Salvador. She's the secretary general of Gabriela Philippines, a progressive women's organisation there, about the specific experiences in Mindanao. What happened was in Mindanao, there was um, this Malte group who um, has identified with um, ISIS, which um, we all um, we all know is a um, classified as a, um, a terrorist group, and um, they have um, it's called the siege of Marawi, where um, they have taken over the um, the Marawi province, um, which is a very small province in Mindanao, and um, they have also taken on several hostages and um, um, set fire to a school. Um, so that's when um, Duterte declared martial law in, in the Philippines um, because he thought that they needed martial rule in the um, island of Mindanao, um, although the Malte group was only um, concentrated in Marawi. The, the president actually um, declared martial law in the whole of Mindanao which is a very big island in the south of the Philippines. The, the alarming thing as well is that um, the chief of staff, um, Lorenzana, has actually said that not just the multi-group that they are targeting, um, but also the other groups in Mindanao, um, like the MILF and the um, you know New People's Army in Mindanao. So this is not just a, um, a war against the multi-group, but also the other groups in Mindanao, however, also um, in um, in the in the recent weeks, we have seen um, the the involvement of the U.S. in the military operations in um, in Mindanao as well. Um, they said that they are only there for um, intelligence gathering and also technical support. But then again, the um, the U.S. military has been in the Mindanao Island since 2002. They have used this. 
um, argument about the Abu Sayyaf back then, which they also classified as a terrorist organization. Um, but then again, the Abu Sayyaf is still existing in the south of the Philippines. Um, so there, there is very much um, at the moment um, some talk surrounding um, the U.S., presence in Mindanao. What do you think is the underlying motivation for the declaration of martial law? It couldn't possibly just be to end or suppress terrorism because the Moro have been active in that area for for decades. Yeah, I think um, one of the biggest things um, in Mindanao is that it is very rich in um, natural resources. For example, there is natural gas there. There's a lot of minerals and also other natural resources. So what what happens is um, these natural resources are actually on the Moro people's ancestral lands. And, um, you know, um, people who will benefit from it really are the big landlords, the big bourgeoisie, and, um, of course, um, imperialists like, like, like the U.S. Um, having to put military presence in Mindanao is going to protect their assets. Um, and because they are the ones who are going to benefit benefit from all these um, resources in Mindanao. Well, this is a good point that you're making because I want to look at Duterte specifically. When he was first elected, there was a lot of hope um, from the yeah. side of the communists, from the side of the trade unionists, from the peasants, from the farmers, from the human rights activists. There was an idea that with the election of Duterte, what would come were uh, liberal policies in relation to workers' rights and greater freedoms for people. This has obviously not been borne out in reality. Of course, one of the first things he did was wage a war on drugs that has seen in excess of 6,000 people extrajudicially murdered in the streets. Yeah, yeah. It, is, um, it is very um, disappointing, um, especially with the um, imposition of um, martial law in Mindanao. The war on drugs is one thing and um, martial law in Mindanao is is another. Although um, the president in the um, in the last, it, it, I think it was um, two months ago that he has said, um, you know, he has relied on the Philippine military to deal with the um, with the issue in in Mindanao regarding the Malte Group and um, crush the the, um, the the Malte Group in Mindanao. Whereas in the beginning. Um, leftist activists that were very um, hopeful about Duterte were a little bit silent on the extrajudicial killings. Now that it's clear that Duterte is coming after activists just as much as innocent drug-addicted people on the streets, are, is there a greater attempt to comment on his butchery of people? I don't think that um, the... Um, left activists in the Philippines have actually stayed silent on this issue. Um, from the very beginning, um, leftist organizations have actually been investigating the war on drugs, um, especially organizations like Arapatan, have, um, which is a human rights organization, have um, voiced their concerns and their condemnation of the human rights violations that were happening back then, they have been actually actively investigating and following the, the cases that have been reported in regards to the um, human rights violations and the killings 
um, connected to the war on drugs in the Philippines. I think despite um, these actions of Duterte, he is an incredibly popular um, president. He, he, in similar ways to Donald Trump in the United States. So no matter what Donald Trump says and no matter what Duterte says, he can he can give the military free uh, range to rape women in a conflict situation. He can make these comments about uh, the war on drugs and the uh, massacre of people in the streets, and yet his yeah. popularity remains. How do you explain yeah. that? Mm, that's a difficult question. I think for the, the longest time... Um, the presidents in the Philippines have um, actually been um, part of the ruling class. Now, in in those years, um, nothing has really changed in the Philippines. We still have the top 1% owning most of the land in the Philippines. And also the, the presidents beforehand were also puppets of the U.S. imperialists. Duterte has also promised a lot and has done, like in the beginning, has appointed several secretaries that were um, pretty progressive. Um, for example, um, Judy Tagiwalo, who's, who's an activist um, in the Philippines, and Gina Lopez, who, who was also an activist. Now, she, she, she has not been confirmed by the, by the, by the Congress, but um, in the beginning, there were a lot of changes that Duterte has promised, and I think people are still holding on to his word. However, in the recent, his actions recently have proved that it's, you know, um, actions are much louder than words. You know, um, he has spoken a lot, and now it is time to to um, prove himself. There was there was actually a um, the his his one year actually is coming up, so. In that one year, there will be actions, as actions, and um, it will actually be of the, the left-wing activists in the Philippines, and um, they will judge whether Duterte has what Duterte has accomplished in those 100 uh, in those um, one year in office. So at this stage, martial law has only been declared in Mindanao and already you're saying your analysis is that is much too broad for the problem yes. that Duterte says martial law is trying to address. But what is the yes. likelihood that martial law might get declared across the Philippines and is this mm. reminiscent of Marcos-era uh, militarisation? Martial law in the Philippines is um, feared to be likely declared in the whole of the Philippines because just recently on the 4th of July, um, the Supreme Court has actually up upheld the declaration of martial law in the Philippines. So despite several requests against martial law, the Supreme Court has actually upheld the, the, the declaration over the entire island of Mindanao. And also Duterte has said that um, after July 24th, which is which is his um, one year in office, he is not ready to lift the martial law in Mindanao. So already we are seeing a lot of atrocities that have happened um, in Mindanao um, during this these 60-day these, um, um, martial law over there. Um, there is a lot of um, things that that have happened um, that are um, that are 
you know, reminiscent of the um, 19, the 1970s and the 1980s under the Marcos um, martial, martial, martial rule. Um, there is also um, a lot of um, bombings in um, not just in Marawi City, but also in um, the different um, provinces in Mindanao. And uh, most of um, these provinces um, where is where um, Moros reside. Um, so um, it, without a doubt, it's going to be um, the human rights atrocities would be like the Marcos, um, what happened in the Marcos um, era. So given the situation facing workers, facing people in the Philippines, um, and given Dutetra's popularity, it sounds like there is uh, some serious hard work ahead of activists, uh, communists even, um, in the Philippines. How, how, what do you say is the way to fight back and actually defeat m- not just martial law, but all that comes with the election of Dutetra? Yep, I think that the um, the the important thing is that people understand um, the the implications of the actions of um, the Philippine government. Um, what is important as well is that people are aware that um, the peace negotiations are um, going on at the moment between the government and the National Democratic Front of the Philippines, where. It is one of the most important parts of the peace negotiations where they talk about the root causes of poverty in the Philippines, the root causes of armed conflict. And um, the way to address it is really to have a genuine um, reform in the Philippines, genuine agrarian reform and national industrialization. But now, with the martial law in Mindanao, coincidentally, they also seize the peace talks um, between the Philippine government and the National Democratic Front of the Philippines, which um, which aims to address the real problems in the Philippines, like poverty um, and the the root causes of armed conflict, um, where in 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 those um, in those in those rounds of talks, they're going to be talking about the most important part of the of the peace talks, which is nat- national industrialization and genuine agrarian reform. Um, it's very clear that the bourgeoisie in the Philippines and also imperialists are not um, wanting to progress those um, peace talks in the Philippines. So, um, so what we need to do is really campaign um, for genuine reforms in the Philippines to address the real causes of poverty in the Philippines. The Filipino people need to be informed as to what's really going on um, in the Philippines and for them to really stand up for um, genuine reforms in, in the Philippines. That was Stephanie Rabusa, chairperson of Anak Bayan in Melbourne, speaking about the declaration of martial law on the island of Mindanao in the Philippines. And on community radio stations right across Australia, you're listening to Accent of Women. Today we're focusing on the humanitarian crisis in Mindanao as a result of the May 24 Declaration of Martial Law by President Duterte. My next guest is Jom Salvador. She's the Secretary-General of Gabriela Philippines, a progressive women's organisation. 
Joms is based in the Philippines and is working directly with those fleeing the aerial bombings and military oppression. Since martial law has been um, declared in uh, not only in Marawi but the rest of the Mindanao region, there has been uh, stricter rules enforced by the military uh, affecting civilians. Um, the entry and exit of people and the movement of people are um, being controlled by the military. And there have been close to 200,000 who already evacuated uh, in several parts of Mindanao since uh, more than a month um, since uh, martial was declared. There have already also been recorded at least 40 civilian deaths um, and um, apart from also uh, those that government troops have claimed as uh, terrorists and um, also deaths coming from um, the side of um, the military. Um, there is now an ongoing humanitarian crisis in Marawi. Duterte has been saying some pretty outrageous things, almost Trump-like comments, uh, uh, things about women, it's okay to rape women in times of war uh, and so on. How are people responding to this and what is the effect on the ground? We fear that Duterte's uh, rape jokes or um, assertions that the military can rape women in times of war uh, can actually embolden troops to commit actual cases of rape and other sexual abuse against women. And um, in a national interfaith humanitarian mission that uh, was conducted in Marawi and Lanao del Sur and Lanao del Norte uh, in June 15 to 16, we received reports from the ground, women and young girls who have eva evacuated from their homes in Marawi um, because uh, military troops threatened them with rape if they would not leave their homes and go to the evacuation centers. And um, this has made an imprint on many women and young girls, um, an imprint of fear for their safety, for their well-being, if they remain in Marawi, but also towards military personnel who so callously just threatened them with rape and uh, who they know also to have a bloody record of committing sexual abuses against uh, women in militarized uh, communities before. I wanted to talk a little bit about um, the the... Uh, peace, the international peace mission in Mindanao because there were some discoveries from this particular investigation that really do demonstrate that uh, martial law, the institution of martial, martial law in Mindanao is uh, uh, almost a, has corporate interests but is certainly not for the benefit and protection of the people there. Uh, we found out through the humanitarian mission that um, unlike what um, national media and the military has um, painted at the start of the declaration of martial law, that there was a, um, a grave threat, terrorist threat against the people of Marawi. What the residents of Marawi actually thought was happening was just a clan war between warring uh, or competing uh, Muslim clans in, in Marawi City. Uh, the Maute clan against um, another clan, uh, which is which turns out to be supported by the military. So what they thought, what the people thought, was just a two to three day 
um, clash or uh, clan war or rido in their in their language turned out to be uh, probably the most destructive uh, military operation in Mindanao that many of them have witnessed, um, practically uh, destroying the whole of the ancient city of Marawi and um, drawing uh, tens of thousands of people homeless and um, desperate evacu uh, evacuation centers all over the province. I think one of the things that uh, we can also see in relation to the declaration of martial law in Mindanao is that there are quite significant Indigenous um, interests in land. And actually, this is like um, so basic capitalist principles of occupation and land theft. If we actually look at what has motivated the declaration of martial law, we probably can see that there is a considerable interest in dispossessing Indigenous people there. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah. Actually, even before Duterte um, declared martial law in the whole of Mindanao, um, there have been constant military operations in Mindanao, uh, aerial bombings of Indigenous and peasant communities um, in the name of, of uh, the government's so-called counterinsurgency operations. And um, even as Duterte declared martial law, um, following the events um, of the supposed takeover of the Marawi group, Ma Maute group in Marawi City, there have been questions as to why the declaration of martial law was extended beyond Marawi City when the presence of terrorists of the, of the Maute group was only in Marawi City, but it was extended for the whole of Mindanao. And we believe that this... Um, is being used as a justification for an even greater uh, military takeover of um, Mindanao to quell the people's resistance against um, decades of attempts to subdue their um, resistance against uh, foreign and local corporate takeover of their ancestral lands. Uh, Mindanao is considered to be as a uh, last frontier in terms of um, the presence of vast uh, natural, mineral uh, resources in the region. Um, the areas where the indigenous people reside is actually a huge mountain range that is considered to um, have um, largely untapped uh, mineral resources, gold ores, um, and some areas, um, marshlands in Lanao del Sur and Lanao del Norte, uh, where many of the Muslim population reside, uh, is also considered to be home to a vast uh, reserve of natural gas. And uh, current and previous uh, governments or administrations has been targeting these, uh, this area, the area of Mindanao, for... Um, for the entry of uh, corporate mining, for the entry of other uh, uh, foreign and local companies to mine the natural uh, resources of the region. Yeah. I think one thing we've noticed, which again um, suggests or point points to that the declaration of martial law is very little to do with um, combating terrorism and more to suppress workers and workers organising and to steal Indigenous land 
is if you look at the people that have been arrested and the people that have been targeted, many of whom are Indigenous organisers and resistors, tell me a little bit about the arrests of um, dissidents in Mindanao in under uh, the current state of emergency and martial law. Um, because um, there is martial law, um, uh, practically the writ of habeas corpus has been suspended so anybody can get arrested. And the military has been doing arrests against um, picketing workers, against uh, indigenous uh, leaders, um, and even uh, volunteer teachers of some uh, indigenous schools in the in the region. And um, there have also been, apart from the arrests, there have also been uh, military operations outside of Marawi, aerial bombings and destruction of um, schools, indigenous schools, destruction of indigenous communities um, to, uh, to quell the resistance of, of the people. Joms, thank you so, so much for your time. Was there anything you wanted to add to this discussion? Those outside of uh, the Philippines might think that because President Duterte is still a very popular president and there is a martial law declaration in Mindanao, that the Filipino people are supporting this um, um, move or action by our government. And uh, we want, and also because of limited uh, media coverage on the real situation of the civilians in Mindanao, um, there might be a, a view that it's like business as usual in the Philippines. But uh, we also like to um, share to the rest of the world that um, there's a humanitarian crisis now going on in uh, Marawi and in other parts of Mindanao, precisely because of the military operations that is happening. And uh, we seek the support of um, workers, of peasants, indigenous uh, peoples, and other peace-loving people um, outside of the Philippines to also um, help us um, get our the real situation in Mindanao um, out in the open and that uh, the people, the Filipino people in Mindanao and elsewhere in the country is continuously resisting um, the martial law in Mindanao and its possible extension to the rest of the Philippines. That was John Salvador, Secretary-General of Gabriela Philippines, and before her, Stephanie Rabusa, Chairperson of Anak Bayan Melbourne, both speaking about the humanitarian crisis arising from the declaration of martial law in Mindanao in the Philippines. And that's all we have time for on today's program of Accent of Women. Accent of Women is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The show is distributed nationally via the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. If you want to get in touch with the producers of the show, you can write to us at accentofwomen at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or like our page on Facebook. If you want to hear this show again or any of our previous programs, you can download the podcast from 3CR's website. That's 3cr.org.au. Go to the Accent of Women page and follow the links to this week's show. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Giselle Hanna and I look forward to your company again next week.
Avenida. Oh.